Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Hey guys, this is Asher Tolliver, Vice President of Dow Bomb Industries. We're really glad to be involved with the Foul Front and all of its listeners, both veteran and novice. Big things are happening here at Dow Bomb, and we cannot wait for you guys to see some of the new products and ideas we have in store, not only for this season, but for the coming seasons. We're really excited to see some pile pictures and hear success stories about how your Dow Bomb spreads have helped you in the field this year. Don't hesitate to reach out if you ever have any questions. Good luck this fall. Welcome to the Foul Front Outdoors Tales and Tips segment, where we bring to light the heart of hunting through shared experiences and lessons learned. By talking with real hunters, both new and old, to preserve and share part of this passion that we hold dear, not only to entertain, but also to educate. So listen up, because this is Tales and Tips, and you're on the Foul Front. This week's episode is brought to you by Dive Bomb Industries, the fastest growing, most affordable decoys on the market, with unmatched customer service. Visit them online at DiveBombIndustries.com, on Instagram, or Facebook at Dive Bomb Industries. Or go ahead and give them a call anytime, seven days a week, at 314-322-7468. And go ahead and use the promo code FOULFRONT, all undercase with a space in between foul and front, for 10% off your next purchase of Dive Bomb Decoys. This episode also brought to you in part by Hunt Hickory Creek. And new to Hunt Hickory Creek this year is their Central Kansas Lodge. They're going to be running hunters from the end of October all the way through January. And their main hunting area is located between Kavira National Refuge and Cheyenne Bottoms. Now, Central Kansas is a special place for waterfowl hunting. And during the peak migration, these refuges hold hundreds of thousands, if not close to millions of birds at one time. So for your chance of a hunt of a lifetime, head on over to HuntHickoryCreek.com because if you're going to hunt Kansas... Hunt Hickory Creek. Hey everyone, Austin here with Colorado Custom Game Calls. Are you looking for a duck or goose call for next season? Are you a budget hunter? Well guys, let us know over here at Colorado Custom Game Calls. We provide high quality calls at affordable prices. We are budget hunter friendly. Whether it be the colors of the resin, the colors of the band, do you want something in your call? It's your call. You get to build it from the ground up. So guys, make sure you go check us out on our Facebook and Instagram and on the web at ColoradoCustomGameCalls.com. 
All right, today's Tales and Tips episode, we've got Elliot Snyder from Freelance Duck Hunting and the Duck Gun Podcast. Elliot, how you doing today? I'm doing great. I appreciate you having me on again. I'm excited to talk with you. And, you know, I've always called myself an introvert, but as much as I love to run my mouth, my wife's saying I can no longer do that. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, let's take a, uh, a minute here to hear from some of our other sponsors. Did you know that tagging migratory game birds after you harvest them is a federal law? Did you know it's being enforced in all 50 U.S. states and Canada? Well, Toe Tags LLC has just the solution for migratory game bird hunters, a waterproof tagging solution that meets all federal tagging laws. With several options of tags and custom tags available, this is perfect for all hunters. Whether you're an outfitter or a weekender, for just a few cents a day, you can ensure you're in compliance with the law. Contact Toe Tags LLC at www.toetagsllc.com. Hey, I want to tell you about a hunt logging system that my friend Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting has created. It's a site called Freelance Hunt Stats. At Freelance Hunt Stats, you can record information from each day's hunt, which allows you to remember what took place each day, and it also helps you improve your future hunting success. It's easy to use, it tracks game totals, weather patterns, shooting information, bird averages, and a lot more. So go to FreelanceHuntStats.com and create an account to start logging your hunts today. Also, be sure to head over to DocsOutdoorSupplies.com. They've got tons of motion decoys and anything else that you need to be in the outdoors. So, for your 10% off, use FowlFront18 at your checkout at DocsOutdoorSupplies.com. Well, you've got a lot of cool stuff coming up uh, this fall. One with you know your YouTube channel, and then two with your Hunt Stats project you've got going on. Yeah, this is my absolute favorite time of the year, as as probably most of the people listening, because everyone right now, it's like you go through August, or I'm sorry, you go through June, no one's thinking about duck hunting really, and you go into early July, and then it starts peaking, you get into August and September, and now we're all just like, we got to go, right? We got to go. So it's like total prep mode right now. Yeah, total prep mode. Just I just brushed my my uh, kayak today, put those pictures on Instagram, so everyone's hyper but what I've got going is, obviously, I'm, I've got... Um, a bunch of videos on freelance duck hunting coming out. I'm doing a top five best videos from season two, top five best videos from season three, and I'm doing a couple of huge um, game night trivia prize giveaways. So August 15th at 7 and September 6th at 7 o'clock. Um, both those nights I'm doing a live stream, and it's like a trivia game, and I'm going to be handing out prizes. I'm really, really excited about that stuff awesome. leading up until um, the teal opener. And then also on the other side, I've got this website that I've been working on getting developed for the last couple of years, and I've got tons of ideas for this, but right as of like the last month or so, like three, four weeks ago, my original beginning idea that I had 10 years ago is finally completed. So I put out some videos on that, and, um, and I'm just so excited to see um, where this site goes. So just give you a real quick rundown on what the site is. Um, it is a place where you can log your hunts and keep track of um, everything that you're doing in your hunting life. So about 10 years ago, I started an Excel spreadsheet. Well, my dad had been doing it longer than that, but I took it over from him. And I started trying to implement all these ideas that I had. And every time I got something done, I wanted to do something else. And my, my, my original idea was just that when I got done with the hunt, I wanted to be able to record exactly what had happened, what I shot, how many shots I took, what the weather was like, 
any notes about it. And then I wanted the system to be able to take all that information, group it into a pile, and then allow me to play with it and sort it. And so that's what I've got now. So uh, I can go back and look over my last 10 years of hunts, and I can see each place that I've hunted, how many times I've hunted at each location, how many birds I've shot at each location, what my average bird per hunt is, what my shooting percentage is if I want to, um, how I did at different places under under all sorts of different weather conditions. So more than anything, it gives me the chance to just play around and daydream about duck hunting, you know, <laughs> um, and that that's the biggest thing. But uh, it also really allows you to get to know each place that you hunt. So I can look over the last 10 years and say, um, at this particular spot on North Wind Days, here's how I do. On South Wind Days, here I how I do. And um, so it just lets you really understand your hunting at a much higher level than what than what a, journal, a traditional journal or even that your memory can do. So mo- most of what is out on the market is journals. And I, there's one other site that kind of is trying to do what we're doing. But most places allow you to um, keep track of what you're doing. But what they don't do is they don't they don't gather that information and show you many statistics from it. Most of the other sites are like you you uh, mark where you're on a satellite, and it, it's it's based more on a journal satellite imaging system. I, I there's not hardly anyone out there that's just based pure how what are my totals at all these different locations with weather variables. So I'm really really excited about it. I was when you first ex- explained it to me, and then I got the tooling around on it. I was trying to think, you know, how would this benefit my life um, or my hunting life? Um, and then I, you know, I got to think about it. And so what I do, I have a weather app on my phone that mm-hmm. um, I set up. I can set up alarms or triggers for perfect weather conditions. Um, it's supposed to be for like running or, you know, you can set the variables. You can say, okay, when it's this amount of cloudy with the wind out of this direction, um, this variable, um, it'll it'll buzz me. It'll ping me and said, hey, spot number one is at prime conditions. Well, oh, wow. I got to thinking. I was like, well, I guess I didn't really even know. Like, because when I was setting up the alarms, I was just kind of going off of, oh yeah, it was kind of windy there that day. Okay, yeah, um, probably like four or five miles an hour or, or something. Or oh yeah, I think it was overcast. I can't remember if it was overcast or partly cloudy. You know? Yeah. Um, I, well, I don't remember specifically what the temperature was, and I thought, well, dang, if I could go back and look at that, I could very accurately understand those pictures and Mm -hmm. set, set that trigger up. Yeah, absolutely. And I just, I just got done making a video today. Um, and this is the first time I've had this site has actually changed my mind about, I think most of it, what happens in waterfowl hunting, but not only waterfowl hunting in life is people have some experiences. They have a handful of experiences and based on those experiences, they make opinions. And it's what we all do. But a lot of times, and it seems like maybe hunters are a little bit worse about this than than others, is you get a tiny handful of experiences. Let's say you use a spinner a couple days and you don't have ducks coming in. So you're like, all right, you know what? Spinners don't work. And then for for the next five years, you're telling, oh, spinners don't work. And you're basing that off of your perception from a few small handful of experiences. And so I used to believe, in fact, I, I did a video three months ago where I stated, I now believe that duck hunting is better on sunny days than on cloudy days. And, and I said that based on what I thought was my personal experiences. Well, this was before I got this, this final product done on the site. I got, I got the site done and I looked at my own personal hunts 
And in the last 10 years, I average half a duck more on cloudy days than I do on sunny days. So here I was three months ago saying, I, I believe sunny days are better based on my experiences. But my true experiences, when I actually looked at the numbers, was opposite of that. Uh, we don't have the ability to gather and sort in our mind that kind of data. And this system just kind of lets you do it. So a- another cool thing is that um, if you become a member, you can actually um, look and see what the global averages for the site are. So if, if, if I want to see um, how I'm doing on sunny days, I'm also going to be able to see what the average is for everyone else's on the site. And so the video I did today was, was based on really looking at um, the 1,000-plus hunts that have been logged on the site. So we've got about 650 active accounts and over 1,000 um, hunts have actually been logged. And out of those 1,000 hunts, it turns out that people are averaging virtually exactly the same duck per hunt on sunny versus cloudy. It's like 0.2 ducks more on sunny days than cloudy days. So it's pretty hard to refute data like that. And so, you know, we can all have our opinions, but here I have in front of me over a thousand hunts telling me that the people that are logging on this side, over a thousand different hunts from spread out all over the nation, there's not much difference at all. Um, and so it's, that's just, to me, I, I don't know. I've never heard of anyone having a bunch of actual data and being able to make um, evaluations of the data like what I've got on the side. I know that the information that the state takes when you have to fill out the little cards. and, and hip, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's nothing compared to the data that we're taking. So one of the things I'm most excited about, you get me like five, ten years down the road where I've got 50, 100,000 hunts on here. I believe that this data is going to be the biggest data pool of waterfowlers in the history of the world that's ever been gathered um, to, to this degree. That's my, that's my belief. And that yeah. would be cool to be able to, to then just, I mean, there won't be an opinion anymore. We'll just know. Right. Yeah. And I, I want to add that, all that motion I, in there too. It's probably got, you know, um, definitely um, has a lot of scientific benefits to it as far as, um, migration goes or harvest, um, mm-hmm. you know, how the harvest versus the migration goes. Um, and sure. I'm sure that, you know, in a few years, you're going to have some people that are very interested in seeing some of your, your data points. I hope, I hope so. I think that if, if nothing else, someone, maybe someone will want to write some articles about it. So one of my main goals is making sure that I keep this data as pure and uncorrupted as possible. Yeah. And so I'm, I just, I'm, I'm, I can't just let anyone dump information in there without any safeguards because, you know, someone can create an account and put that they killed a million ducks in one hunt and now your, all your data is, is, is skewed. So I'm dedicated to making sure as best I can that the data is not corrupted because I think it's going to be, um, really valuable and i don't even mean in a monetary sense in in five or ten years to have that many hunts with that detail of information um and we were going to add like you know with or without a spinner so you know do spinners work i will be able to tell you we will be able to know whether spinners work or not because i'm gonna have a pool of people that are going to input it so uh man I, i'm i'm just if i can make some money on it obviously i hope to i've put money in, into it and i'd like to get that money back um, yeah. but even if i break even on this thing I want it just for me, man. I just want to be able to use it and play with it myself. Yeah, I hear you. You know, I, I showed it, I showed it a little bit to my wife, and she's like, "Oh, good, another thing to for you to tinker around with ducks." Yeah, so, and, and those of you nine to five guys like me, 
We all know every now and then we drift off on the computer a little bit, right? This is the perfect site to do that on. You're like, what? How did I do? You know, I'm, I'm going to hunt this weekend and this November. How did I do last year in the month of November at this place? You know, I mean, uh, so it, it'll be fun to play with at work. I'll try to stay off it, but it will be fun to play with at work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then maybe, you know, marrying it to, um, yeah, I mean, is, is the weather self-reported or is it married? Not to- yet. Okay. The, well, no, the weather is self-reported. So uh, by that question, I thought you meant, can you automatically have oh. the weather imported? Um, is that what you meant? Uh, that well, yeah. I, that, well, I mean, that's what I was getting to. I was going to ask if that was going to be a feature someday. I mean, I've got so many ideas for this thing. I, that <laughs> oh, would absolutely be the easiest thing because then you could get into barometric pressure and moon phases mm-hmm. and all those things. But um, right now, you have to input the weather yourself. Right. Uh, but certainly – um, if I can get the ball rolling where this thing's making a little bit of money, I can dump a lot on my, my teaching salary doesn't exactly, um, lend itself. I've, I've been told by my developer, my overall end idea to have developed is like a hundred thousand dollar idea. So, oh, wow. uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see if we'll get it as far as we can. Wow. We'll get hundred thousand dollars. Well, I really okay. think it would work as a social as a social media site where there's oh, forums sure. and message boards and and you know so I want it to be an interactive uh, social media site where hunters just hang out um, right. is what I want it to be. and that, and that's where it really gets pricey so, so that I can get rid of my Facebook yeah screw Facebook yeah. <laughs> no, it'd be no political posts allowed because I'll have the button you know I'll have the you've delete. got you've got the delete button. <laughs> excellent. <Yeah. laughs> Excellent, excellent. So now, have you been you've been hunting around Kansas most of your life, correct? Yeah, my entire life. Yeah, but I was, I've lived in Kansas basically my whole life. Uh, you've gotten up to Nebraska before, correct? Yep, Nebraska. I've probably hunted more in Nebraska than I Kansas, and then Nebraska would be um, the second most state that I've hunted. Okay. Um, what other places have you hunted? Um, we took a trip down into Oklahoma once. My dad's done it several times in January. I only took that trip once to Lake Eufaula. Not, not Eufaula, uh, Call Lake. Um, and that was a ton of fun. I hunted Missouri, um, South Dakota, but not, not very, we have not taken many trips. Basically our trips are either within the state because Kansas has a lot of places I like to go and hunt or to Nebraska. Um, if we if we go north, we typically go to Nebraska. So we have not done a lot of traveling. I would love if someday um, my schedule would open up and I could do a lot more traveling. But it's just you know it's hard. It's too it's bad hard. you can't teach during the summer. Yeah, and like have the fall off. Yeah, I know. But here's the thing: it's like as I'm gearing back up into going because I, I I just getting through a spree of like seventy days off in a row where I have nothing to do with whatever I want. Right? Sure, sure. So if if that was during hunting, it would be great. But the kind of depression that I would experience going into my work with no hunting is not worth it. <laughs> it's not worth it. Okay. All right. That is that's, that's valid. That is Because yeah, it's I'm, like, you know, I like teaching. I love, I, I love being around kids and, I, and I, I love the job and everything. But it, it's a nine to five. You know, all nine to fives, it's, it can be grueling to wake up in the morning as we all know. Because right. um, that's just how working is. And, but knowing that teal season starts right around the corner – and it's just, man, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade the calendar for anything just because of the mental state. Sure. Sure. No, that's good stuff. Um, and so well, you and me, I think we were talking, you haven't hunted on the plat yet. Have you? 
No, it's a dream. We had a schedule. We had a plan dream trip scheduled for right around Christmas of last year. We had a guy just contacted me. He watched uh, freelance duck hunting and he's like, you know what? I like what you guys are doing. I see your dad's getting older. I've got this place. My property's right on the Platte River. I've got a, a blind right over the river and then I've got a blind in fields. Why don't you guys come up and we'll do three days. And, and we had the, you remember that massive cold front that came in. Yeah. Um, last December, the temperatures were like negative five, negative 10 up there. And even with the heated blinds, my dad with his pacemaker, he just can't do, he, he, he can't do that temperature. So we had yeah. to cancel it at the last second, but literally that was like a bucket list for my dad. So we have not hunted the plat. Oh, I've got a few hookups up there too. So yeah, maybe I would love it. Yeah, me too. Now, like- <laughs> how is the Platte river? Um, early season, like October, November, before before the real cold comes. Do they use the river then also, or do you have to get real cold? So, I mean, I don't actually have a lot of experience hunting on, on the Platte River itself. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but the way that I understand it is is that, and this is what Matt um, from High Prairie Sportsman tells me, um, that zone along the Platte River gets kept open a lot later and it really doesn't heat up until later. And, and I I could be wrong, um, but that is my interpretation of it. Mm-hmm. Um, every time I, I've gone uh, duck or goose hunting out in Nebraska, it's been in the fields uh, around Christmas time because that's the only time I can get home. Yeah. So. Yeah. I've always wanted that. Oh, you know what? I, I should probably tell your listeners if they want to go create an account, it's freelancehuntstats.com. That's probably an important part. Pretty, pretty important. So. Yeah, you guys can, marketing decision. Yeah, yes. You can go and create a free account and start logging your hunts at freelancehuntstats.com. And then um, if you want a membership, which is already sortable, I'm actually lowering the price. We're doing a special for $2.99 a month um, is what it's going to be. So oh, um, awesome. that's probably good to add if people want to go create an account. But right. you can start logging your hunts completely free. Awesome. Uh, you, can, you just can't use the filters and see all your accumulated totals. For free, gotcha. but you can you can log your hunts for free. So anyway, well, I thought we should get that in there too. Probably. Yeah, oh, that's a that's a definitely important thing. <laughs> <to add. laughs> okay, so uh, something I wanted to touch on just a little bit. Um, your crew, I love your crew yeah. that you you know you have it. We've all got our like our hunting crew and um, the people that <laughs> make it worth it to wake up in the morning. And you've talked a little bit about you know fumbles, your dad, and then Golden Boy, and then. Dan, uh, I just wanted to kind of like, how did, how did the crew get assembled? Obviously I'm tracking how you and your dad got. <laughs> yeah. yeah you it's really got, interesting how this happened because basically the whole crew fell together right as I started making videos. So I, I just grew up duck hunting. It was just me and my dad and sometimes my uncle and my cousin. It was always inside the family, never anyone outside the family. Um, it was kind of a thing that my grandpa kind of had. He was like, you know, we don't, we, we stay within the family because he was afraid people to get shot or whatever. Um, but then I moved up to this area and I basically hunted by myself for about five years where it was almost every hunt around here was just me going solo. And I loved it. I absolutely love solo hunts. I loved that time frame. Um, it was right around when I first got Izzy and man, those were some of the most spiritual and special hunts of my life when I was just doing it by myself. Um, but then my dad moved to this area and then it just became him and myself. And, um, so, and I, I, 
started a small group here at my house through our church, and old Dan started coming to the small group. This would have been the year right before I started um, season one of FDH, so that'd be like 2015. So during that year, he he was a deer hunter, and he was like, you know, I've never been duck hunting. I'm like, you know what? Let's come on out. Let's let's do some duck hunting next year. So the season started, and teal hunt number one of the year was Dan's first hunt, and that was the very first episode of Freelance Duck Hunting. Awesome. And Dan fell in love with it, and so he started coming all the time on season one. Dan was there quite a bit. Um, and my boys are always getting older. They're kind of a part of it, too. They always infuse themselves into certain episodes, but – um, and then on season two, Dan was still hunting with us and we met Aiden, um, who I later nicknamed golden boy out on a hunt. It was hunt number nine. Um, it's a hunt called, uh, just a good time and hunt number one. It's funniest episode where my dad tells a story about how, um, you know, when you, you think you have to fart and it's a little bit more and you end up going in your pants a little bit and we've all done that. Oh, one throw, right? You, yeah. Especially it's like the onset of diarrhea. You don't know you have diarrhea yet, right? Right, right. And then after that, you're real careful. So he had that happen outside. My dad did. Went running into the bathroom, fell down on the deck, and like just slammed himself on the deck, had a huge bruise on his elbow. So my dad actually told this whole story um, during this hunt, the day that we met Aiden, um, about crapping his pants and falling down on the deck. And so uh, that that day we met Aiden, he ended up being such an amazing, cool guy and nicknamed him Golden Boy. But that was his first year of duck hunting, too. So season one of FDH was Dan's first year of duck hunting. And I got to kind of mentor him through that because he is a loose cannon. And if he wasn't, I mean, he'd be one of those guys probably shooting seven yard shots if he didn't, if I hadn't been there to really <laughs> control him. But now he's like crazier than I am. He like, he doesn't like to shoot him unless they're at like 20 yards. Like, man, pull the trigger. That's and funny. then met Aiden in season two. That was his first year. So. Um, started hunting with him a ton um, in season three would have been his second year of duck hunting. And it kind of mentored him through that whole process. So um, it's basically the four of us. And then my buddy corn, he comes along every now and then. And, and I wish he could come more because that guy is a straight character. His, his, his pastime is just kind of making fun of me, but he's a great guy. So that's kind of the five of us round out um, most of the people you see on the hunts. Nice, nice. Did you tell Golden Boy yet uh, about that goose hunting uh, with the bow opportunity that I have? Oh, I totally forgot. No, no. I he will be so excited about that. Yeah, I totally forgot. I will definitely do that. Yeah, he's up. I, he's back up in Nebraska uh, fishing um, the Sand Hills right now. He went back up there by himself. He had to get more. Oh, well, nice. Yeah, but I'll definitely tell him. Yeah, for sure. Gonna go get out on some uh, on a frozen pond that I've got permission to hunt out there. But not firearms. So I told the guys like, "Hey, I'm going to shoot some geese with my bow," and he said, "Well, okay." <laughs> so we're going. What try time it. of the year do you anticipate doing that? What what month range? Um, like early January, late December. Okay. If he goes, if he come, if he does that, I may come and just video it. Oh yeah. Maybe That'd we could awesome. get. Oh, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. We could always do that one day and then do a traditional hunt the next or something. I don't know. I yeah. Don't know. Yeah, for something for sure. We'll see. Sure. The or, wife doesn't like me taking trips in January uh, normally, but yeah, or do the traditional hunt in the morning, and then do something with them in the afternoon or something. I don't know. We'll yeah. see. However, yeah. they're flying. So yeah, that would certainly be cool. I would would love to get in on making that video. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. I think it'll be fun. I, I know that uh, I'm, I'm stocking up on on. I wouldn't call them junk arrows, but. 
um, <laughs> maybe one or two years older. Um, so yeah, getting ready for that. Yeah. My, my thing is I've always been, and I always have to remind myself to keep it real because there's things that I find myself wanting to hide because how people perceive you is important. Right. So when I started mm-hmm. freelance duck hunting season one, it was super easy to be myself because I didn't think anyone was watching. Right. But sure. then as more and more people start watching, you have things happen and it's very, very easy to start worrying about how you're portraying yourself. Right. And, yeah. uh, I am dead dedicated to being real. And that means if, if there's something about myself, I don't feel like sharing, I need to share it anyway, unless it's confidential, but you know what, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. And this would fall under that category. Right. So, um, I'm at very, have always been very tenderhearted. And, and when we, I went on my first couple dove hunts, um, I had to try to kill doves with my hands and everything. And it was so traumatic for me. I laid in bed at night and I was going to tell my dad I couldn't do it. It made me feel so bad because I was holding this little dove. And it was like mm-hmm. blinking at me and everything. And I've just always been kind of tenderhearted like that. Like even like when you even to this day, now I can wring a duck's neck and not think twice about it. But some of those little teal come back blinking at you, you know, <laughs> oh my gosh, they're so cute. I, um, I know. That's so bad. my it's hard. I mean, if, such a if dichotomy, people, such a dichotomy. It is, it is. And, but, and it doesn't really get to me anymore, but I've always been kind of tenor. It's one of the reasons I don't deer hunt because I could kill a deer dead stone dead and not be a problem. If I wounded one, like Dan has a, a story about bow hunting. It's just the worst story about how he, this thing was like crawling and trying to get away from him. Cause he spine shot it. And oh, if that ever happened to me, I'd die. So my, my point being is that admitting to being so tenderhearted is something I have to make sure I'm real about. Cause it's just the truth. That's, that's how I've been. And if I go on a goose hunt where you guys are trying to, trying to nail these things with arrows, I'm in that area of uncomfortable <laughs> because sure, if you guys yeah. get enough shots, there's bound to be some carnage <laughs> that isn't very pretty. Let's just say that. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, I guess I, I didn't, I didn't think it, through that much or like do the, I've seen it, you know, on TV, I've seen it, um, you know, on YouTube and all that stuff. I suppose I ought to check and just make sure that in Kansas, the bow is a legal take method for geese during that time. I would think, I would think that it is. That's certainly a small kill, kill shot though. I mean, that is a small little zone. You got to put that arrow into. Um, yeah, I, it's definitely going to have big fixed broadheads on them. So, so what I envision is a lot of squawking wounded geese running around on the ice with arrows being flung <laughs> one after oh. another. <laughs> well, I what I envision is just a lot of whiffs and uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Golden Boy's pretty deadly with his bow, man. I'm telling you, that boy can. He's he's been practicing lately at 60. When he goes to the range, he's been practicing at 60 yards. 60? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what they. What is it? Cameron Haynes says you you shoot. You know, ninety percent of your shots at fifty percent, or at a hundred and two hundred percent, or something like that, where yeah. it's like twice as far as you you need it to be, or something like that. That's what he was telling me. So you guys must be watching the same guy. But he, oh, yeah. you you let him fling some arrows at some geese. I'll tell you about Golden Boy. He is a flat like uh, animal harvester. It, it's I don't I would say killer, but it's because it's not like a bloodthirst. He right. is super efficient at gathering game, whether it's fish or ducks or geese. He's just, he's just a, a he's fantastic a sport. Yeah. He can just hunt. That dude can hunt. Awesome. And you, you met him on his first season. 
I met him on his first season. He beat us That's to the awesome. boat ramp. He beat us to the boat ramp, and I walked up, and, and I asked him where he was going, and he was going to the exact spot that I wanted to go to. And normally I, I don't – I mean, I think that's the only time – no, there's two times in my life I've asked someone to hunt with me. Um, because when it comes to meeting two peop- new people, I am actually kind of introverted. And the thought of sitting side by side by a stranger and hunting all day is not something that I, I can do it, but it's I'd rather not um, just because I just don't know them. They're not inside that comfortable zone with me. But I met him, and within – Talking to him for 30 seconds, I was just like, okay, this guy's cool. I could seriously – plus I wanted to hunt that spot and he was going there. So, <laughs> Okay, so this is a good um, time for me to bring it up. So to the boat ramp, you guys hunt layout boats, correct? Sometimes we do. Sometimes but we do, what, yeah. What other, what other mean what, – do you have another boat or something? We've got an 18-foot weld boat with a 42-horse um, mud buddy motor on it. So we use that if we need to. Um, we walk in if we need. We our goal is to be as portable and versatile as humanly possible, and and we pretty much are. We pretty much so we. I mean, we spend like I've been spending tons of time um, getting our layout boats ready. I may only lay out three or four times the whole season. Normally happens in October when we're hunting the prairie marshes because around mm-hmm. here we have enough trees that we use our boats to get to places, and we use them to put the dogs in when we're hunting in in knee deep water. Um, but we rarely actually lay out in them. Um, but yeah, we're versatile. We, we, we have pretty much what you need no matter what. Nice. Yeah. That's a, uh, that's definitely a, a good thing to have, uh, up here in Kansas when Mm -hmm. we've got deep waters, we do, but, uh, a lot of times where you want to be is usually only your, your, your boots can get you there. Your waders can get you there unless you've got some sort of shallow or surface drive. Well, and we've got, we've got everything in this state. I mean, you know, we've got wide open marshes. We've got deep lakes. We've got shallow rivers. We've got timber. I mean, we've got flooded corn. We've, you, you've got plenty of field hunting opportunities. I mean, in this state, it's about every type of hunting as far as waterfowl as as you can do. How do how do you run the river? Well, it depends on, well, first of all, we're on it a lot. So we know exactly what depths it's, mm-hmm. we can get our boat on. Ideally, um, we get our surface drive on the river and run it, but inevitably that river is really, really shallow, but we use, um, real time water data, which is USGS. They, they, I don't know. Most people probably yeah. know about this, but you can check water levels. And so we know exactly how deep certain points have to be for us to get our big boat on the river. And if we can, it's much, much easier. But typically in December and January, we can't. So then it becomes traveling up and down the river um, and looking for where the pools of birds are and then trying to find ways to access those birds, which is not easy. It's not an easy task to do. It's, it's, it's really, it's hard, but, but it can be done. Right, right. So when the river ices up, um, mm-hmm. what do you, you know, is that, what do you do then? <laughs> well, it, before anyone thinks about hunting a river with ice on it, the number one thing that you have to know is some days you just have to walk away. If it, because when you get walking out there on ice, it's scary. And I, I've been in areas in which I know are probably knee deep, but when you're out on it in the ice, you don't really know the thing about this river. It's it's and this one thing that Zach Iowa Plainsman when he went on our survival 
um, trip with us. And, and he commented is that he's not used to rivers just being sand bottoms. And um, the river that we hunt is completely sand, sand on the bottom. It's loose sand. So what happens as, as the water comes up um, because you have lots of rain or reservoirs are letting out um, lots of water, then it'll push the sand. And then as it comes back down, it'll deposit the sand. So the sand changes a lot. And you can tell the difference between when you're walking on um, the, the, the bottom and you're walking on the river and it's loose sand that's been moving down. Sometimes it's almost like quicksand. I, now, not traditionally, you're not going to sink in it. But, I mean, you'll go calf deep in it in a heartbeat. And you know yeah. that that's, that's sand that's being pushed, pushed down the river. Um, and then the harder bottom sand, that stuff tends to stay there. But what happens is when you get ice and varying water levels, holes get dug out, and you can go like one weekend. Um, and I've got a video that shows. Uh, I think it's season two, one of the last videos where I'm on the river by myself, and there is a massive hole um, that has been created over the past seven days that wasn't there previous. So the number one rule is you always have to end. Well, I, the number one rule is you have to walk away. Number two would be. Um, that you always pretend like you don't know how deep it is. So some of these river spots, I've been in them dozens and dozens of time. But when you're on top of ice, you still have to, in your mind, say, well, the river sh- the, the sand shifts. So if I fall in right here, it could be a lot deeper than I think that it is. So there's just a lot of precautions that you have to take. But first, first number one is we find where the birds are, and then we assess if it's safe to get to them or not. And if it's not, we just have to walk away. And they, But if we do assess that it's safe enough to try to get to them, um, then we get access on however we can to cross in there, and we just we just go for it. But um, we, we try to be as safe as as safe as humanly possible. But it is it's not for everyone. I'll say that it's it can be yeah. scary. And you know, we talked about it two weeks ago, uh, falling through the ice by yourself, and how you self recover. Mm-hmm. Um, like the proper way to do that. Mm-hmm. I always think it's, you know, for anybody that didn't listen to that one and is not going to listen to that one, um, essentially, and I don't know if you know this too, Elliot, but like the best way to get out of ice um, is to put your <coughs> your arms and your forearms um, on the ice mm-hmm. until they, you can support and then you let your, your back legs float up. Um to the, to the top of the water and then you flutter kick yourself onto the ice mm-hmm. and you'll either break yourself, you'll break the ice all the way to the edge of the pond or um, you will be able to then roll sideways mm-hmm. onto the, onto the ice. Um, but that's not, that's not the case in a river. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you're dealing with currents. Yeah, exactly. So, so last year and it just, the, we did two river um, ice on slash or I was on two river ice on slash. The first one, um, I've got to watch Dan like a hawk because he doesn't have that much experience. And and sometimes, like in this particular instance, I knew an area that I saw that there was no way you should walk and because you have an open hole and then a thin strip of ice and then another hole behind it. So it was obvious that we shouldn't be walking into that area. And Dan shot a bird, landed over there, and next thing I know, he's walking over there. Well, he falls to the ice, but luckily he just kind of fell in butt first, so his feet – and his legs were at were out of the ice, and his butt was basically in the hole. Mm. But if he had fell through there in that formation, where his butt's going down first, I mean, if he if the the current would have drifted him probably two or three yards, and now he's under ice, right? Right. 
Now, I don't know how deep it was there, but I know that section was when we had been, because um, like when we went out on this hunt, we were sure it was um, shallow, but Golden Boy had an axe. And as we walked across the ice, we were axing holes and then depth checking as we went. Even though I really know that section a lot, we still, it, it just every 10, 15 yards, chop a quick hole, stick a stick down in there and make sure the depth of um, the river. So when we got up to the hole where the birds had been sitting, um, we knew that we were still okay on depth. So Aiden carefully dropped down into the hole, which we knew right there was shallow. And as he walked over to the area where Dan had ended up falling through, it got too deep, like over waist. So he wasn't comfortable. So that section may have been um, five, six feet deep. So the problem is if Dan falls in there, floats under the ice, you know, five feet deep, and now he's on his feet, but he's got ice over his head, right? Right. So it could have been a really bad situation. And then the other hunt we went on um, with my friend Charlie, where we, we man, we just pounded him. One of the best, the best goose hunt of my life. One of the best hunts of my life. Um, he went back out there about a week later with some guys, and this guy went tromping out to an area he shouldn't and almost fell through there. And I know that that was another spot that was pretty deep. So, And this is us being as careful as possible. So... Um, it, both of those situations could have been, could have been deadly. So ultimately my advice to people with ice on the river is to stay away from it. Um, that, that's, that would be my, my advice is to not mess with it if you're walking across the ice. But, um, the precautions we take in the situations that we do it, I feel like we're safe. My mistake was not coaching Dan more. It just takes one lapse of, lapse of judgment. You know, I mean, I right. see an area that obviously I just didn't think you would walk on next time I know he's out there. I, I've got to be like, you know, you have to be like a feed field journal. Like, okay, everyone, here's the deal. This is exactly where we walk. No one walks over there. We've depth checked this area. You know, retrieving a goose is not worth someone's life. So you just have to be very specific like a field general. But ultimate, my ultimate advice to people would be just probably don't do it. I mean, we've been doing this for quite a while and I've, I've got hours and hours on the river during the summer, during the winter. I mean, these stretches, I know it really, really well, but still, man, it's, it's a sketchy proposition for sure. Right. I feel bad. Now. I feel like, man, people are like, oh, man, idiot, why does he even do it? I'm making it sound so bad, but I'm just trying to, trying to get through people's head, the severity of, seeing a thousand geese and ducks over a hole and just going and doing it and not taking the precautions that we're taking, someone can die. Well, it's a dangerous sport. Um, yeah. You know, it's a dangerous pastime that we engage in. And anytime that you're putting yourself out during mother nature's harshest, um, and then also that's not your primary goal. Your primary goal is not to survive outside like camping or hiking. Um, your primary goal is you're looking at these ducks and these these geese, and you're forgetting about you know you you can very quickly forget about the conditions. Yeah, yeah, you get all pumped up and that blood gets flowing. Now, I, I will also say this river we're hunting um, at this time of the year. I would say ninety five percent of it is at about two to four feet deep. Right. So that does that that part does make a difference because that. That's the factor that allows me to be willing to do this. I know for a fact 95% of this is not even close to over your head. So, I mean, 95% of 100 times you fall in a hole, you're going to be at your knees and be like, oh, you know. But right. those, that other 5% does exist out there. Yep. So. Yep. For sure. Now, continuing along the river talk, um, 
how do you how do you decoy birds on the river? What what strategies are you using? Well, um, the one that that we've that we typically use is we find a huge group of birds on the river, and this is already going to make some people mad. But I'll, and I'm gonna I'm gonna defend myself as I go a little bit too because we are looking for roosts. Um, but on on the river, there's a roost probably every mile to mile and a half. These roosts are up and down this river at the time that we're hunting it. So it's not like one huge roost, um, and we're kicking all the birds out and screwing all the field hunters. There are roosts littered up and down. And almost every time we do this, the root we shift the roost the roost half mile to three fourths of a mile. Um, sure. but, but we find we find a roost, and that's where the birds have the water open. First thing in the morning, we go and we kick them up. And we set up now. Normally, there's hardly anything to cover yourself with, so um, we're getting better at this. Because um, a couple of years ago, we're getting better at concealing ourselves. So, um, but what you need is all white. So you need either an all white layout blind or even yourself all white. And what we've had to do because there's such a lack of cover is a lot of times we'll go one guy hunt and two guys back watching and filming. Because um, a lot of because you just have an ice hole and you're laying at the ice hole and um, it's hard to get into these places. So you're already dragging as many goose decoys as you can um, lay out blinds if you have them. I mean, you got it's it's hard to get all this stuff in here. Um, so like last year on one of these hunts, we didn't even have any layout blinds. Um, we we just couldn't couldn't haul them in, and we didn't have the snow attachments for them anyway, which we're going to try to get this year. Um, so you're basically kicking all the birds off of the ice hole setting up and then laying there right by the, or by the ice hole and letting them come back in, which they almost always do. Um, at least singles, doubles, groups, pair, uh, groups of 10. Um, but a, a lot of, like I said, a lot of times we do one man hunting, two men back watching, and then they shoot a bird and you rotate through. We'll, we'll normally start with everyone on the hole. And the second that we find that birds are flaring, that's the first thing we'll do is we'll drop the guy, drop other guys back. Um, because you just can't get them in if you're not concealed. So I think I um, saw a video of I think it was you and Aiden. Um, you were on the river, mm-hmm. and you were just laying. There was like a very s- small amount of sticks that you guys were hiding behind, and they were still coming in. And I was thinking to myself, you know, I've hunted that same river. Um, you know, maybe just west of you, um, mm-hmm. and. We were doing like we dug out the sandbar and laid our uh, blinds in there mm-hmm. and then covered ourselves back up with sand. Like, yeah, and we were still having a hard time getting them to decoy in. It was super comfortable. But were uh, you trafficking birds, or did you just pick up spot and go? Or no, we just very similar thing to what you said. We had we mm-hmm. found that this was the sandbar that they were using um, in the morning um, to basically just chill out and loaf after the feed. And came back and we hit them up in the mid morning, got set up, um, plenty, plenty of fresh sign there. And, uh, they were, they were moving, they were moving to us and, um, but they were, they would not commit. <laughs> how many guys, how many guys do you have? Two. Hmm. And should have worked. Some, you know, sometimes decoys. it doesn't. <laughs> so. Yeah. That, that should have worked. That should yeah. work. And that's a real traditional way to do it on sandbars is to dig it out. Um, Oftentimes, guys will pull in driftwood around those. Yeah, uh, and I, do it that I way. I, we did that initially, and then I just was thinking, I was like, "This looks really conspicuous." Um, and so then I was like, "Well, let's just dig ourselves down." I'm still curious. 
Do they not have like sand covers? I know they've got snow covers. Where's the sand covers? Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. I know I have a layout layout blind that's just kind of a sandy brown. Well, I used to it fell apart. It's just it was kind of a sandy brown base to it. Yeah, I'm thinking just like a photo print of sand or something. Hmm. You know. Yeah, I would say normally that what you did would work. I mean, Dan and my dad went out season one and that did this exact same thing, and it they birds just didn't come back in for whatever reason. But tr- normally, normally. It will work if you have the X. I mean, and in those hunts, it's like there's several birds where you're just standing up and they come right in because oh, of I mean, once once you have the X, you know, I mean, it becomes a lot easier. It becomes a lot easier. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So, birds now, get dumb we, real fast over ice holes. Is, <laughs> is what I think. Yeah, because they just they're looking for that open water. So. Yeah, and they've been in there. They've been there for two, three days. So, you know, they've already, they know it's safe. They've been there, but they're not complete. They're just a lot smarter than, or a lot dumber than what they would be under a a different circumstance, normally speaking. Right, right, right. Now, what kind of decoys do you guys usually haul out there? Um, Let's see. Well, this year, I'm totally revamping my set. So we're going to do mostly um, silhouettes and um, I'm blanking on the word. Socks. We're going to be doing socks and silhouettes this year. So we're going to have a much, much larger spread because when you do um, socks and silhouettes, you can bring in a lot more. Last year we had about three or four dozen um, full bodies, most of which were Aiden's, that we were just able to haul out there. Um, And that is a – man, I'll tell you, that that, that is a pain to down the riverbank, out onto the ice, across the ice, set them up. You know, by the time you're done, they're all heavier because they're wet with ice on them and everything. And then you oh, got to yeah. haul them back up plus all your geese. And um, that's some of the most physically demanding hunting that, that you can do. So I'm excited to use the the silhouettes and the socks this year. But we're going, in fact, other than teal this year, everything's going to be uniform. Um, going totally revamping the whole the whole spread. <laughs> that's, you know, we're we're doing the same thing. We're We're sponsored by Dive Bomb. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to be running about uh, fifteen dozen dive bombs. So yeah, I think that's yeah. the way to go for the for the public, you know, mobile mm-hmm. guy. That yeah. oh, heck for anybody really. I mean, why 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 cart around all the extra plastic? You know. Yeah. Now I, I the, these guys that are running these companies, they they will claim that you know the socks will work just as good. I don't know if that's true or not. I, I've never used them, but I would tend to believe that if you've got seven, eight, nine dozen socks, that's going to work better than two, three dozen full bodies. I just, right. I mean, you're just dealing with such numbers, such massive numbers. So our spreads are going to greatly increase in size. And I mean, you've got those, which I'm sure Dive Bomb does too. You've got um, the big bags that you can tote them in. You can just get so much huger spread when you go to like a sock and silhouette than, than the full bodies. And mm-hmm. and on the river, that's really – on the river, especially now if we have our big boat and we can go up and down the river, it's easy to haul stuff. Um, but even then, we well, still our spread is going to probably triple in size this year. So we're going to move to the river actually earlier this year um, okay. and see because I think that we have been – um, underutilizing that resource a little bit. We typically don't go there until the freeze. And this year we're going to try it during teal season a little bit because we've been seeing teal on there this last May and April, and we're going to try it in November. So, And we're going to try to just put out some massive spreads and see what happens. Yep, that's exactly what we're doing too. So, Yeah, I've never hunted the river 
um, around where you guys are at. I know my dad has a couple times and really, really had some fantastic mallard hunts um, after the ice came around where you're at. Well, we're going to be doing um, sometime here in the late season, obviously. We're going to be doing a snow goose hunt if you want to come out. Um, okay. Hunt Hickory Creek is going to be putting that together for us. And I don't know if you've done much in the way of snow goose hunting. I know you've, you've told me a few stories about mm-hmm. <laughs> jumping snow geese. Yeah. But, most of our snow goose hunt has been um, stocking snow geese, which I honestly love to do it that way. It is so much fun. But um, we're, Aiden is getting me more into your traditional snow goose hunting because he's got some decoys and we may end up getting – um, some white rock um, um, silhouettes and and um, socks also for snow goose. So I'm going to be doing more and more of the traditional decoying snow geese, I think, this year. But the stocking them thing is a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure, man. Well, I'm super excited to get on to your, uh, this season because usually I, I am writing down um, – all of my group's birds that we're shooting and I'm taking pictures Mm -hmm. and I've, you know, it gets lost in a a notebook somewhere and I have to find it when I go to fill out my hip report the next, the next uh, year. But I'm super excited to get on hunt stats. And, uh, I, when I fill something out, like when I start doing like data, I go, I go hard. So I'm going to be filling out every single one of those segments and I'm super, super pumped for it. So, well, it's so easy, and you know, it, now it's not an app, the freelancehuntstats.com, but it where it functions perfectly on the phone. If you have decent cell phone reception, you can do it right from um, your hunt location. So it functions just fine on your phone, and and it takes, I think, two minutes, maybe three minutes to log a hunt. It's super easy. Now, are you going to be logging for your whole group then when you do well, that? I don't know. Is there a feature or anything like that? Because usually, what well, you know, what I like to do is I like to. Because nobody else is as diligent as me, you know. Mm-hmm. So I like to keep track of the parties. Um, like, okay, you know, Justin got this, Max got this, Wilson yeah. got that, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, at least when I go out, I don't know if there's a function in there or anything like that. But well, it's not set up to do multiple people, but we can talk about it, and I can tell you how to kind of name things and get around it a little bit to be able to do that if if you want to. Um, it will take. Um, because I've got, I've got set, um, one way to stop, to stop bad data is I've got certain limits set up on, yeah. on birds. So you can't go in and, and put a million birds. So if you're hunting with four guys and you all limit out, you couldn't log one hunt because it wouldn't, it just wouldn't allow you sure. to input that. But if you yeah. did like, if you did hunting on one and named it uh, someone's name or something, but oh yeah, Makes ultimately sense. best use would be everyone to have an account, but, um, yeah, I'll just make yeah. them do that. Yeah. <laughs> So, hey, man, we got a spell going. It's two ninety nine a month. This guy needs a little help making this better for us. You guys need to go in there and set it up. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> so two ninety nine per month, like to have all of your your data at your hands. Like that's nothing. That's like one Starbucks cup. Not even. Yeah. And, and you can and the, the, you get to see everyone else's data, the whole global community's data as well, which I think is a big, big selling point for it. Yeah. Does it break it down by like state and stuff or location? You can you can pick the state. Um you cannot at this point sort it by state, which I must have just overlooked that when I was talking with the developers. But you certainly can you have to pick what state you hunted in. 
Um, and I need to have that added to where you can sort it by like, how have I done in Kansas? How have I done in Missouri? Um, it was an oversight on my part, but definitely you will be able to do that. Well, and you, that's you, you that's the good it. thing about having all the data fields is that you can go back and get the insights and analyze whatever you need, however you need to. Yeah. Yeah. It ended up being this thing being a way more complicated to mentally work through just to tell these non-hunting developers what I wanted. <laughs> Let me tell you, there was some in-depth conversations that went on <laughs> between me and these developers. It was a lot harder than I thought it would be, but it was a fun process. So you're telling me there's a blue wing teal and a green wing teal. Yeah. And yeah. That, so it, a teal is a duck. <laughs> yeah, and this guy's like, now what's a double? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> rarely do I either. <laughs> Actually, I have video evidence that I know what a double is. So, yeah, I've seen it. You, I think on the video I saw you shot like two doubles in a row. Yeah, yeah, I, it makes for a quick, quick hunting, but <laughs> it's fun. Oh man, well, shall we? Uh, shall we head to bed? Yep, I've got a wife waiting. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm gonna admit this on to everyone. Oh my gosh. So my wife and I my wife has got me in into watching Hallmark movies on YouTube this summer. So yeah. I said it. Can you believe it? I even admitted that one. What Hallmark movie? I don't know, they're all the same. These get okay, here here's here's how it goes. They fall in love, they fall out of love. Oh, now we're in love again, they get married. That that's every single movie. Just with a different setting, different characters, and uh, yeah. yeah, scenery. Yeah. yeah, so that's that. I would go out and watch my nightly Hallmark movie. Now everyone hates me that's heard this. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a man. <laughs> Two ninety nine, totally not worth it now. <laughs> oh, but it's been really good coming on. I love what you guys have going on here, and I love all the collaboration going on between us, and and really look forward to getting in a hunt together too. That'll be fun. Oh yeah, that's uh, hey. Make sure you tell old Golden Boy, old Aiden, about that uh, about that bow hunt. Have him hit me up. Absolutely, I will do that. So. All right, Elliot, you have a great night. All right, you too, man. Thanks. All right, thank you. Bye. All right. Well, we want to give a shout out to uh, some of our sponsors once again. We've got Colorado Custom Game Calls, pretty sweet stuff that they're doing. We're actually going to be releasing a Foul Front. Um, I think just the Duck Call right now. But it's you know it's gonna say foul front on the band. Uh, it's gonna be pretty cool. They got a little promo code for us. What's that promo code taken? Uh, foul front, all lowercase space in between foul and front. And that's not just calls. That's anything that is on their website. Uh, but yeah, keep your eyes out open for uh, that foul front exclusive decal that yeah duck call excuse me that we'll be uh, partnering up with them for. Uh, Pretty excited about that. Pretty much the most uh, customizable custom call on the market right now. Yeah, because you can get like corn in there. You can get wheat. You can get I, – I got one coming. It looks like a storm, uh, but then it's got wheat in there too. Yeah, and even the call itself, they offer different options for mouthpieces and barrel lengths and then inserts as well. Yep. Also want to give a big, big thanks to Dive Bomb Decoys. Um, if you are a budget hunter – that wants to compete um, in the field, not only with goose uh, decoys, but they have duck decoys too and socks. And you can really build a spread for uh, a respectable budget. 
Yeah, definitely good for the budget hunter and just the hardworking hunter who maybe has a long trek in or a hard trek in. You know, you can't get more more convenient than silhouettes and socks. Yep, and we got Cody, their uh, CEO, president. Um, he's going to be coming on in uh, mid-August, late August, and he's going to be telling us they have a big lineup of stuff coming out that we should all be excited for. I don't know what it is, um, but... Uh, we're really looking forward to hearing what they've got. I'm sure it's going to be good. Those guys are very innovative. Yep. And go ahead and head on over there. We have, they have a promo code for us, too, for you guys, I should say. And it's a foul front, uh, all undercase with a space in between it. And that'll give you 10% off of uh, your decoy spread and get, help get into it just a little bit uh, more affordable. Even so, more budget-friendly. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, absolutely. So. All right. Uh, next, we want to thank um, FreelanceHuntStats.com. Um, go ahead and head on over to them. If you really want to get serious about uh, helping yourself out and trying to learn a little bit about the, the patterns in which uh, you find the most success uh, with your hunting, head on over there. Plus, it's super cool. You can go in there and you can tinker around and you can actually see everybody else's statistics. Not You can't go in there and find, you know, uh, Tegan's statistics specifically, but you can see um, how people are doing on sunny days, how people are doing on cloudy days, uh, just like everything that Elliot just explained in this episode. So we're we're really excited about that too. Yeah, hopefully finding good overall correlation. And then like Ben said, you hit the nail on the head. Maybe you'll catch a pattern in three years from now. You're going to be like, oh, this spot three years in a row, these kind of ducks, this kind of weather condition, going there today. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, another thing too is Hunt Hickory Creek, our our partners in all things waterfowl, pretty much. Um, they are putting up something pretty special for the Fowl Front listeners. We're going to be doing a Fowl Front weekend out there, and uh, it's up in the air when it is right now. But if you head on over to the listener group, you can definitely get in on that uh, Fowl Front weekend. It's going to be pretty cool. We've got some other sponsors that are coming on. Um, some point here they're probably going to be kicking out some stuff for uh that weekend as well but we're going to have uh, some good food we're going to get in on friday night and we'll just chum around we'll record an episode before the hunt uh big old round table style everybody just jaw jacking and uh meeting up and it'll be really fun yeah good camaraderie with uh the foul front group and then also i'm sure a bang up hunt you know that new central lodge they got their great location between Cravera and cheyenne bottoms so, you know, lots of birds. Yep. So we'll stay there that night and we will hunt in the morning on Saturday. And then when we're done banging up the birds out there, we'll head on in back to the lodge and we'll be doing some tales and tips episodes with uh, everybody there, anybody that wants to. And then we'll be recording a, a post, uh, post hunt episode as well. And uh, just sit around, eat, probably play some bags or uh, you know, jaw Maybe a little bit of ribbing. I know that I'm going to need a little nap, um, <laughs> just cause that's the way I am. But yeah. And then, uh, we'll, you know, have fun, good food, good beer. And then, uh, Sunday morning we'll wake up, do it again and, uh, have a nice little lunch, say goodbye and head on our respective ways. Uh, we'd also like to thank, uh, toe tags, LLC. I cannot believe how, uh, you know, People don't realize that that tagging thing, that can get you. That can get you a good ticket. That can get you uh, in a lot of trouble. And these guys are going ahead, and they're making it super easy for us. And we've got Ryan. The uh, He's the 
he's the man over there at Toe Tags LLC. And he's going to come on. He's going to tell his story um, and basically why he started this company. Yeah, federal laws are nothing you want to mess with. Nope. Everybody wants to stay legal. Nobody wants to get a ticket. And, you know, we're all about products that help our listeners out and help you guys out and help us out. So um, that's going to be something that going forward, I'm going to get away from the the zip ties. We're going to get a little bit more legit and we're going to be, you know, making sure everybody is to the letter of the law. Yeah, that way Ben will stop stealing my birds too. Oh, come on. Um, And last but not least, we've got Doc's Outdoor Supplies. Now, something, you know, everyone's probably wondering, who's that? Well, that is a uh, an outdoor store that, um, admittedly, my, my dad started up and because he wanted a affordable solution that you didn't have to worry about. You know, a lot of these places, they'll give you the bottom line of what the price is, and then they'll tack on shipping and tax on you, and it's a little misleading. And so with the prices that he's got on there, they're very comparable to some other places, and, you know, if not – paying a couple bucks less than you might at some other place, but just a real honest, like upfront, like this is what you're going to pay. He's got a lot of motion decoys on there. He's got some Turkey stuff. Um, and then some other outdoor supply stuff. So head on over to docsoutdoorsupplies.com. Yeah. You never know when some of those other outdoor uh, supplies are going to help you in the field just because it's not directly waterfowl related. You never know what you're going to be using out there, what you may need. Yeah. Plus it has the added benefit of uh, me not having to pay for my dad's nursing home someday. So, um, I mean, you know, get away from the corporate, uh, people and, you know, go ahead and support uh, the local guy. All right. Well, that about wraps it up today. I want to thank Elliot for coming on and want to thank you guys for listening. And I can't wait, um, to see you guys out at the, uh, the foul front weekend and a lot of cool things coming up. Yeah. It's only 12 slots, right? So those might fill up quick. Right, right. Yeah. So get in there and, uh, sign up. So. All right, for the Foul Front crew, I'm Ben. This is Tegan. Catch you later. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Foul Front Waterfowl Podcast. Please come join us on our Facebook group, the Foul Front Waterfowl Podcast group, where you can connect with a good group of hunters because we're all in this together. We need to act like it so that hopefully our great-great-grandkids will be hunting ducks over our favorite public lands. Uh, We also ask that you go ahead and give us a written review on iTunes and give us five stars if you think we deserve it. And we really do want to hear back from you uh, so that we can give you the best possible content. If you get in on that Facebook group, you can get in there and you can ask questions and you can tell us what you want to hear next or you can tell us uh, what you don't like and we'll be sure to tailor things to our listeners. So, all right. Stay safe out there, and we will see you next week. Hey, you ever been sitting in front of your TV just wondering why you can't catch the latest episode of The Foul Front right there in your living room so you can press all your guests and family with your fine taste and podcast listening? Me neither. But hey, as a part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective, you can now find The Foul Front and some other great podcasts on your Apple TV, your Roku, your Amazon Fire Stick, Smart TV, even your gaming console just by downloading the Waypoint app and 
Heck, while you're there, they got over 2,500 hunting and fishing shows on demand. Go download the Waypoint app today. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep-sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! Oh! Look at that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. 